This episode is sponsored by Luminous Creative Agency. Headquartered in downtown Providence, Luminous works with businesses and organizations to enhance their marketing efforts by developing high-quality creative content, such as video, ad campaigns, design, branding, and more. You can learn more by visiting Luminous.agency. That's L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S dot agency. Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the ocean state. As always, we are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. So good to have you. Hope you're feeling good, healthy, and strong in this new year. Um, just as a reminder, these episodes are remote due to the ongoing COVID um, turbulence, I guess is a way to put it. Um, but on today's remote episode, we have the lovely, lovely, lovely Dwayne Keys. Um, he is um, the chairperson for the South Providence Neighborhood of Association. He also, in this episode, talks a little bit more about his personal um, journey. He works in finance as like a finance, as someone who has never been in like the finance sector or knows what any of anything means. He works as like a someone to help people reach their goals, guides them, or he, he the way he put it was that he sits in the passenger seat and helps navigate you to your goals. Um, which I thought was a, a, a layman's term for someone like me who has no idea. <laughs> what are investments? <laughs> um, yeah, he was uh, he was really interesting, uh, Dwayne, or as I like to call him, the busiest guy uh, in South Providence. Um, he is doing so much. He works uh, his regular job. He does the stuff for the South Providence Neighborhood Association. He's done political campaign things he's he's all over the place uh he was very 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 interesting to talk to i know i'd say that about almost everybody but that's why we have him on the show if we wouldn't have you on if you were boring so uh (laughs) (laughs) he's very interesting he was a really really nice guy uh we're really happy that we had him as part of our who to watch and that we're getting to chat with all these folks and it was a great conversation yeah and one of the big takeaways that he wanted people to have is that there's neighborhoods that people, their voices aren't heard and putting those people out there and giving them a voice is, it should be on everyone's radar and it should be important to everyone. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. Another thing about Dwayne that I think is like really incredible is because he has so much going on, he tries to focus on things that he feels fulfillment and passionate about. So he can, you know, use his energy towards the things that are super meaningful to him. Um, and clearly through his professional work, through his work through the association and the other boards that he's sitting on and and people that he's coaching and advising, like he really takes a lot of pride in his community, his work. And it was honestly just so lovely getting, he's uh, so much fun to talk to. He has great energy. He's just a lovely human. Yeah, he really was. So I hope y'all enjoy it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have fun. Have fun. Cool. Dwayne, thanks so much for uh, being here with us. It's, it's uh, you know, our new 2022 is still virtual, but we're making it work. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Um, Dwayne, you're part of our Who to Watch um, issue of Providence Monthly, which is so great. You're doing so many cool things, um, inspiring things, important things. Um, so I guess we'll just get started with 
who you are. What what's your story? Sure. Thank you so very much. Um, it's interesting when Abby had reached out to me when you're making this election, she asked, we want to know what you're doing and also what you have plans for the South Providence Neighborhood Association. I said, do you want to know about Dwayne Keys or South Providence Neighborhood Association? Because it's two, two separate ones. And I'm like, you know, there's my story, there's SBNA story. It is kind of tangled up because a lot of my own passion comes out of that. But I was like, there's a lot more that I do outside of SBNA. So uh, when she said, no, we want to know about both. I'm like, okay, I mean, you know, I don't know how you're going to fit this on one page. Um, <laughs> but obviously you said, you know, we'll, we'll focus on SBNA. Um, it's interesting. In my, you know, I've been in Rhode Island. It'll be... I've been here since August of 1999. So I was born and raised in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I, you know, obviously, you know, went to school there. Um, you know, it's interesting. I just think about my background, lived with my single mother, two younger sisters. Um, you know, when I think of our background is, you know, lower middle class family, um, but did not know that we were a lower middle class family. You wouldn't know it. My mother worked two, sometimes three jobs to support us, to make sure we had what we needed. Um, I grew up in a, an environment where the busing system was is, was still in place. It may still be in place in Wilmington, Delaware, but you know, for those who know what Brown versus Board of Education, and in the 70s, there was the busing system that was put in place in Wilmington, Delaware, and that was still in place when I went to school. So like many kids in that area, I was bused to the school in the, in the suburbs. And then I would walk to school and the kids from the suburbs would bus to the schools in the city. So in my background going to school, I went to a integrated interracial school. That is what I knew. Um, and had was involved civically. I actually did a mock election in the sixth grade. I mean, there were things that I've done, um, but there were a number of activities that I was just, you know, involved in um, wanting to do, but I, you know, also wanted to just get out of Wilmington, Delaware. It's um, somewhat similar to Rhode Island. Everyone knows everyone, um, but Rhode Island has a lot more going on. <laughs> just in terms of activities, just in terms of diversity, just in terms of opportunity, at least for me, that's how I felt. Um, and so, you know, going into high school, I'm like, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to go into military? Do I want to go out of college? I still didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do. And I just happened to be participating in a marketing club called DECA. And I was in the Delaware State Championship in Johnson Wells, happened to be there with a representative, um, acknowledging the participants. I saw who they were. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I read up on their programs in the school and I submitted my application and long ago I was accepted. And, you know, I, uh, yeah, and, you know, um, I, uh, my parent, you know, my, my family doesn't know this, but they're going to know this soon enough. I had did a little day trip to Providence, Rhode Island during school break. I was like, okay, I'm 18 years old. Let me take a little train up here. Let me see what's going on. And when I got here, that was April of 1999. The mall had just been completed. It was about ready to be open. I looked at, I'm like, what's water fire? What's this? What's going on? I had the chance to look at downtown and I was like, I like this. I, I like what's going on. This bustling. I can see myself, you know, being here. So 
you know, essentially I came to Rhode Island, August, 1999. I lived in Snowden Hall, my first year, Johnson and Wales. Again, I fell in love with the city, absolutely loved it. And since uh, my sophomore year, so since, you know, 2000, I have lived off campus um, in the South side. So I've lived in Washington Park, right behind the Johnson Wells Culinary Campus. And, you know, with completing my associates, my bachelor's and my master's degree, my MBA at Johnson Wells in 2005, I decided I wanted to stay here permanently. And so I uh, have moved to my current residence where I've been at since 2004. And once I completed my education, it was simply, you know, I want to stay here. Let's make it work. So um, I started to get involved with community organizations while also working full time. My vocation in terms of my trajectory, you know, has been my associates with fashion retail. So I worked in retail stores and I was like, I don't want to be limited there. So let me do marketing. And obviously I was trying to get exposed more in that arena. And then for my master's degree, I uh, concentrated in international trade or economics. Let me you know, get into that forefront. And I just happened to stumble upon an opportunity to work for um, Morgan Stanley as a finan their financial advisor training program. And since then, you know, I got that job during the end of my first year of grad school um, and then kind of just transitioned to different roles. So I worked for Bank of America, with the, which then Bank of America Investment Services, that then became Merrill Lynch. Um, I did transition from working in investments in the call center to being a licensed banker, working for Santander. I worked to Bank RI with back to Santander. <laughs> and then, uh, lo and behold, when Santander had dissolved the premier client group division I was within um, in um, June of 2017, I decided to look at some different opportunities. Um, I, like I said, that's kind of like that concurrent history. But while I was doing that, I, like I said, I was always involved in community organizations. So I was involved in the then Rhode Island Young Professionals, which was an auxiliary group of the Urban League of Rhode Island. I was elected president in 2005. I became a member of the board of directors for the Urban League as part of that role. And that trajectory started to be on just being involved in a number of other activities. So there was the you know cross-cultural legislative summit with the Black and Latino Caucus back in 2006 I was up with there was the state of blacks in Rhode Island town hall meeting that was done at Rhode Island College in 2008 um, and then there were efforts I was doing at the legislative level with uh, reforming the um, state legislation on minority enterprise businesses and women owned women business enterprises so you know that advocacy and everything I've done goes back to 2004. And so I had always been involved in the community. And when that opportunity came of, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, I've lost this job. Do I still stay in for-profit banking, financial services, or do I now see if there's an opportunity to do what I do in other arenas? And I just happened to be looking at job postings. I was looking at Brown University Square Center, and I look at the title was Program Associate. Lo and behold, it was with Compass Working Capital. They were looking for a Rhode Island-based financial coach. And when I read the job description, I'm like, I do that in terms of just general support guidance with those are coaching. What I love was their focus was on families with low incomes to help them save build assets, develop financial capabilities. And so asset building being part of our public benefit system of it being the norm, not the exception was really appealing to me. What I found even more 
and, and you know, just eye-opening was, you know, starting with Compass and then really talking about things such as the racial wealth gap. So, you know, there was this uh, paper that was called The Asset of Whiteness. And, you know, I'm looking at our executive director, CEO. She's like, well, come on, Dwayne, we're going to have lunch and learn on this. And I'm like, wait, look at the title, The Asset of the oh, at the ass of the whiteness, like what is this? Wait, we're about to, we really about to talk about this. Oh my, we're doing it during lunch. Oh, okay. So I mean, these are topics that I always felt as though like there's a disparity here between people of color and white people when it comes to wealth, when it comes to income, when it comes to financial security. That has been I've seen that in all the times of working in for profit, but. The focus has always been on just make the sale, get the sale, get that customer, go on about your business, get those numbers. And I'm like, with those communities that have been historically excluded, you can't go out about it that way. So I knew that I had found the place that I needed to be at in terms of working for Compass. Um, and again, since working for Compass, um, you know, again, I've been with them July 2017. I've been a financial coach, which promoted to senior financial coach, and it was promoted again to financial coaching manager. So I'm still doing coaching, but I now manage a team of two other financial coaches um, and supporting them, making sure that we're providing these services to families. Um, I cover Rhode Island, Massachusetts. I have one client in Connecticut, um, and then we're also starting to expand to reach clients in Ohio, Missouri, D.C., Philadelphia. So we're doing remote coaching. Can we expand this program, which we support um, the asset building? The one that we specialize in is the Family Self-Sufficiency Program. So it's a HUD-based program that can only be offered to public housing authorities and um uh, excuse me, you know, multifamily owners, they have to apply for it, but then we basically run that program for them and are providing the supportive services of financial coaching to these families. So I, if I'm, you know, talking with you, this is actually normal because I'm usually talking with clients over the phone or with Zoom in terms of discussing their goals, their hopes, their dreams, while they're saving in this program, building up that financial asset, <laughs> they're getting that one-on-one support. And it's really, like I say, it's about what do they want to do in this program. So this is not a top-down approach. This is not a, oh, you got to talk about your budget. You have to do this this way. I like to describe it as I am the passenger in this car with you as the driver. You are driving. I'm just helping with navigation. I'm giving up ideas, giving out ideas. But at the end of the day, it's about you and where you want to go. And that very simple approach uh, for our clients, who are the majority of them are Black women, you know, people of color, those who English is not their first language, those who have been just historically excluded. Um, one term that I've, I've heard used, which I like, is they are powerful groups targeted for oppression. <laughs> and so that is who we have been serving with Compass. And along with that, it kind of has been simultaneously, I have been doing similar work with the South Providence Neighborhood Association. So um, in 2014, uh, now Councilwoman Mary Kay Harris is running for office. She was challenging the incumbent. I was introduced to her. I, I basically just um, 
really became attracted to her energy, her ideas, her goals. She saw herself. She said, I've been an advocate. I said, that's exactly what we need in city council. We need an advocate for Ward 11. We need an advocate for the South Side for our goals, our hopes, our dreams. It just seemed as though things were being done to us in terms of zoning decisions, building projects, things that are just impacting neighborhood and neighbors didn't know what was happening. What's going on? Why is this occurring? And so when we were on the campaign trail, when she was talking with voters, you know, I had the chance to hear from them. They said, we just need a space to know where we can get information to find out what's happening. And we're like, yeah, a neighborhood association. They're like, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what makes sense. That's what we need. So lo and behold, when she was elected in 2014, when her term started in 2015, she said, Dwayne, let's go. We got a lot of stuff we got to start tackling. So while I was, I guess, still working, I'm like, okay, let's start having these open discussions about these proposed projects that are coming for our neighborhood and the issues that are impacting with us. You know, so there was the proposed streetcar, which obviously neighbors vehemently said no and not go anywhere. That was now what we have the DTC, Downtown Transit Corridor, that is what was modified out of that feedback. Um, and then there was just other issues that had impacted the neighbors. There was a lot of hurt and pain and harm that was done that when we were having these conversations, they were rising up to the surface. And so um, out of that, you know, we finally, uh, through the support of Councilwoman Harris, we got support to be recognized by the city as a neighborhood association. So it was me and two other neighbors who said, yeah, let's start this effort formally. Let's see where it goes. And that was December of 2015. And so we had our first meeting, January 2016. That first meeting was like, what are the, what the neighbors are there? What are your issues? What are the things you want to address? What do you want to talk about? We kind of face it, this is about you. This is not about me or that person, this is about us. And so out of that was born of conversations with the hospital community about the harm and displacement that had been felt by the neighbors with Rhode Island Hospital, with the, the surface parking, with the congestion and traffic. Obviously, they, you know, people were using the terms gentrification has been a concern. Um, and, you know, there just seemed to be things that were going on in the city that neighbors were not benefiting from. So when you look at our businesses on Broad Street and throughout the South Side, are they getting the same care and attention and focus and resources as, you know, our white counterparts in other parts of the city or in downtown? Uh, we can say the same when it comes to transit services. We can say the same thing when it comes to infrastructure and in housing and in preservation and all these areas where they all kind of impact or affect a neighborhood. It just seemed as though ours was always excluded, the last to get something, and the most that was bearing the brunt and harms of all that goes along with with an urban city. And so, you know, in looking at all these discussions, these conversations, these meetings, everything else, it was very clear to me that if we were not predominantly Black and Brown, if we were not predominantly low to moderate income, this would not be happening. And so from a racial aspect, I always say, what's the common denominator? So why our city, our part of the city looks different from that part? Why is it this is happening? And with time, I said, you know, we started saying, like, look, we got to get to the bottom of this. It, it just we can't do this surf surface issue of let's kind of do a cleanup and that's it. Or let's just address this one thing and that's it. We really need to get to the root issue of why things are occurring in our neighborhood and they seem to be in 
impacting black and brown folks, those who have been historically excluded, and that same experience is not universal around the city. So. <laughs> I'm just gonna say really quick, like I'm so happy that we've been given this opportunity to talk to you and our other like who to watch honorees because obviously our articles are fantastic, but getting to hear like your, you know, at the beginning you said, do you want Dwayne Keys? Do you want the association? <laughs> like, what do you want? And honestly, getting to hear the kind of integration of them together has given me such insight on like your journey and what you're doing and how much your passion and your heart and your motivation has like given to our city. So first, thank you for doing all this stuff. This is a <laughs> lot that you've fit a lot into a small amount of time. Um, and it's clear that you're, you know, making differences and you're highlighting, you know, a neighborhood and a, a group of people who may have not been highlighted otherwise. And it takes strong people to be able to, to take action and do something. And you've done that while also working this really intense job in finance like there is you have a lot on your plate and you're i'm just really excited that i am getting to know these the people the people who are making such big difference in our community in our city and i want to thank you for that and thanks for the opportunity for like letting us be a part of your journey and, and hearing it and you know hopefully bring more attention to it um but yeah I, i'm just so happy to get to know you better because like reading these articles they're great, but it only touches the surface. There's so much more. Yeah, I was uh, over here taking notes half the time to be like, all right, there's a there's a lot going on here. <laughs> and I wanted it to make sure so I didn't miss many. anything. But uh, the one thing I pulled out of all that, besides how the awesome stuff that you're doing is, man, are you busy? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you find time to do all this stuff? So... Um, well, number one, everything, anything and everything I do is because I want to. I, one of my friends said, Dwayne, you, when you want to do something, you find a way to get it done. And that is true. I'll sit here like, I don't know how we're going to get all this stuff done. How You know what? I'm just going to find a way to get it done. What I will say, though, is that I do work for an employer who is very flexible. Given the, the audience, the people that we're serving, one of the things I'm very we're very big on the same with our clients. We need to give, give grace and flexibility because their lives are run up with so many things in terms of, you know, jobs, kids. We have this, the, you know, there's still a pandemic going on. So with all of that, that flexibility was then extended to me. And so I, for the first, had a full-time job where I was fulfilling my passion for personal finance, doing it with the community that I always wanted to do and doing something which this is what I wanted to do, but I didn't know the name for it. I didn't know financial coaching existed. I didn't know financial education for families with low incomes to help them build assets existed. Asset building and financial capability. I didn't know that field existed until I came across that. So I, I find that that, you know, in hindsight, it was meant to be for me to transition to this role, you know, because I was struggling, like, how come I'm not progressing in for-profit banking and financial services? How, how is it I'm not moving up? And yet now I'm here and yet it's it'll be five going on five years in July. And I'm like, this been so much I've been able to accomplish serving. I think at one point I had 112 clients that has since declined since then. Uh, but really seeing the progress of my clients buying homes 
paying for their education, just having the financial security or savings to do whatever it is that they want to do. So that was, you know, really part one. But by having that flexibility, then I was able to do all those meetings. I was able to do all this stuff. I was able to run for office in 2018, uh, which I never would have been able to do or would even imagine to do if I was still working in in for-profit banking and financial services. So it's been by having that employer, a like-minded employer who does support this community at, you know, activities I'm doing and loves what I'm doing. um, I was then able to have more time and flexibility for these meetings to organize, to do door knocking, to let family, let people know this is what's happening and what's going on. I think another approach too is you know, with SBA, I always say it's actually not me, it's the neighbors. All a part of what I'm really doing is I'm kind of being a loud mouth to say, hi, guess that's what's happening. And then, oh, you need to be there at this meeting. You need to be there. Or if you can't be there, what's your feedback? What do you want? Again, I'm kind of applying that same support with our neighbors so that they are there to speak up, to say what it is that they want or don't want, to, to say what it is, how they want the neighborhood to be shaped and how they want this go. Um, and, 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 you know, you know, just, you know, being flexible. So, you know, there is the emails, there's the Facebook group, there's the texting. Um, another reason why it may seem like, yes, we're doing a lot is also sort of a structure. One of the things I noticed was, again, that top-down approach of, ooh, Tell the neighbors we're going to have this meeting and you guys need to show up and there's going to be a decision made on it. No, 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 no. We're not going to be rushing anything. So there's also been a culture shift within our own neighborhood, but as well as with government officials. Like these processes of talking to a few people, we're going to rush this process. No one's not going to know what's going to go on. And then you have something that could be potential harmful. No, that stops. That ends today. And so it's been the insistence on that where, yes, we've been able to be engaged and involved in a lot more because of us saying those practices, those processes are not compatible with what's needed for the residents here. The Black, again, the historically excluded, the powerful groups targeted for oppression, those that you have ignored, those practices of how you do business, you won't be doing that over here or you won't be doing business at all. Which would you prefer? And so <laughs> it's been, you know, again, that drive. I, this is what I want to do. Um, I am a stickler and manager for my calendars, both work and my personal. I mean, there's a calendar for SBA. There's my own personal calendar. There's my work calendar. I got them all on my phone. I got them, you know, managing that. And so planning and being in there and being in advance. Another thing is I am focused on my passion. So there are things that I don't do that I don't get involved in, not because they're not important, not because they're, uh, you know, it's not relevant. It's that's not what I do. And so I always give this example, you know, you won't see me probably being involved in education or youth, not because it's not important. That's just not what I do. When I wake up in the morning, my concern is economic justice and all those aspects that are related to that. So that's what I focus on. That's what I do. I have a host of friends and allies who do do those areas. And so when if it's something that it's not what I do, I refer, I delegate to, I connect with those groups who are doing that work. So making sure I have that balance. And then, yes, there are moments, like I said, I just say no. 
So I do have that work-life balance. There are days I turn off that phone, I turn off that laptop. I'm not taking no calls. I'm not talking to anyone. If there is an emergency, you know how to get in touch with me in that. Uh, but for the most part, there are moments where I have to maintain my own balance. And those are practices that I was just doing before the pandemic. So then when the pandemic did hit, I have been fortunate to been able to cope and be able to, to stay strong, stay focused in support of those as I help them with learning how to just get through this ongoing pandemic. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like, too, what you were saying, well, first of all, good for you for having boundaries, like <laughs> being able to say no, being able to take care of your mental health and your I'm assuming physical health, that's part of it too, right? Um, I was out jogging this morning. So let me go get a jog. I had yeah. been out there in a couple of days. And I was like, ooh, you need to go running. Good for you. <laughs> but it's good. The thing that I think can sometimes get lost in the mix is resentment is a real thing. So if you're saying yes to all these things that you may not be passionate about, that you don't have, you know, if you're stretching your time so thin to do things just to say yes, I mean, you're doing something really important that you're passionate about, that you feel connected to. So that way you can put your energy into that. And I think sometimes people get, I mean, myself included, I don't know how to say no to things. And you just put yourself here, there, there, there. And then you start to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a part of this. Where you're giving yourself this really smart and focused opportunity to put your energy where it belongs. And I think that that's a good you know, if someone's listening to this podcast, I mean, first of all, they're going to learn so many things and they're going to feel so inspired. But I think something that's really important is the fact that you are smart with your time. Like, you know that it's precious and you know that it it needs to go where it needs to go. And I think that's like a huge takeaway. Also, the new phrase is going to be like, everyone has the same amount of hours in their day as Dwayne Keys. So let's start getting more... <laughs> let's start doing more <laughs> try to get some things no but it, uh, i just want to uh double up on what you said it's a really important thing for people to uh master uh is the art of saying no because you're told your whole life that like you know opportunities only come around once and you should just grasp a hold of all these things but there's also the matter of uh just like you said you're doing the things that are your passion and when something comes up that's not your passion uh there is somebody else out there who it is theirs. So you saying no doesn't mean it's not going to get done. It just actually might mean it gets done by the right person. <laughs> so learning to say no is a really big deal. And I think too, again, back to like all of the work you're doing for your community. I know you said, you know, it's a neighborhood. It's all of us together. But having someone as strong and as, you know, organized with your calendar and with your time and all that stuff is so important and I feel like it's a really, it's like a beacon, right? Like I, I'm sure there was a time that people didn't feel comfortable sharing their opinions and being able to say something because maybe they thought it was going to just like go in the air and nothing was going to happen. And you're kind of giving this opportunity to say like, you're, you understand the community, you know, the best way to get things done. And so now people are actually seeing things happen. And that's, you know, I always, I'm, Something that you'll know about me by the end of this is that I'm like a big gusher. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm just this, I'm just that. And I'm like, no, like you're doing so many like amazing things. Like you should be so like 
oh my God, for communities for so long, like you said, that, you know, have been oppressed and haven't been included in the conversation, like you are really starting this whole, I mean, I mean, starting might be the wrong word, but like you're like a beacon for, for communities. Mm -hmm. And like, that's something that's really um, powerful. And the fact that you are also able to find passion in your work in financial and then use that as a bridge to work through the neighborhood association and learning the tools from that and placing it there. Like all the moving parts that you have going on, obviously we're joking, like you have so much on your plate, but like <laughs> you're really utilizing all those things to do good for yourself, for people in need of financial guidance, but also like a whole community. Like this is, I just want to say like, you are so cool. <laughs> it's such an you know, it's, and I hope again, when people listen to this, they can hear someone who, you know, you had jobs that you didn't feel passionate about, right? In the same spectrum that you're working now, but you put in the time, you put in the work, you put in the research and trying to find what, what would suit you best. And now you're in a position where like you have a job that you like, that you're able to get tools from that is able to fulfill a part of like your passion and pay your bills. You know, like mm -hmm. I think that's, there's so many aspects to your story that are really inspiring and really um, like motivating and hopeful and powerful. Um, and I'm just like, and, and yeah, she, she, does, she does gush like that all the time um and then uh we uh, like we we have said uh before part of these uh who to watch ones is it's kind of a two-parter um with the things that um you do and who you are uh and then we like to round it off with um part of who to watch is that uh it's things that bigger things that are coming up in 2022 so um between your regular work and then your sbna work um you know what do you have coming up yeah i mean that is definitely to say i mean in work i mean 2021 was very busy i had completed the course certificate program with the institute for nonprofit practice because i had not worked in nonprofit before so i really thought i needed some training to understand what that looks like in terms of managing a nonprofit if I'm to advance here. So I completed that. And um, I recently uh, completed, you know, passed my exam and uh, was approved for my certification. So I'm an accredited financial counselor or have the AFC designation. So that was actually uh, earlier this month with taking the tests, getting that pass. You know, I had already my experience hours and everything like that. So I have that designation now complete. And then I just enrolled in the Center for Financial Social Works program. They have a certification program. So I think the certification I can qualify for is a financial social work educator. So I have in June to complete that. It's an online self-study uh, portion. I've been, uh, you know, using their, their webinars and their sessions to support my clients with the coaching I'm giving them. So in terms of work, there's a lot that's still going on. I always say, you know, Compass is growing in terms of that. So who knows what opportunities job-wise for Compass will come. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've said to my manager, I'm like, I'm here to stay and, and find what that next opportunity is. It's not a question of if, it's just going to be addition. But in terms of Compass, it's really just um, the growth of our 
portfolios, enrolling more clients and supporting other coaches in their path and trajectory. So, you know, this management experience has been very uh, quite key for me. Again, another skill that I've then been, you know, applying with SBNA of supporting other leaders in their growth and development in this work. Um, in terms of SBNA, I mean, one of the things that we already was highlighted in the article is our partnership with Providence Preservation Society, PPS, with that focus on unlocking the power of preservation. And really between now and June, is our goal is to be having, you know, small group sessions with residents in the South Side to talk about their experience for preservation asking them, you know, what preservation means to them to doesn't even mean anything to them. Is it something that they feel so is important and trying to understand, matching that up with neighborhood priorities to see how can, um, you know, preservation, if it can really support those that it has formally excluded and harmed. So we're looking, we're really looking forward to that particular partnership. Um, obviously, the issue with Kennedy Plaza and that multi-hub idea and plan is still not resolved. Yes, we've been successful with the original plan moving forward, but there's still other proposals that we've been very clear. Um, it needs to have robust community engagement, impact assessments, democratic decision-making, could care less what anyone else thought. If you don't ride the bus, you really need to take a back seat, seat, seat on this discussion. And I want to hear those who ride the bus, particularly our Southside residents who ride the bus and who rely on that public transit, what they think. Um, obviously, the Port of Providence, there's been, you know, you know, we've had an explosion. You know, we've had harmful proposals for that area. So, you know, it's an area that we, it's it's next door to our footprint. We just can no longer ignore the harmful impacts that the port has had on our community, that it continues to have, and that others seem to want to still do for that area, not recognizing that there are people who live a block away from this area. So um, those are like the key areas. The one thing is obviously it's like, you know, anything can happen. And this is the neighbor's agenda. So if there's some issue, something that comes up, we will address it. So I anticipate that even though those are the three priorities, there are going to be other things that are going to be coming up with uh, SBNA. Um, as well as me individually, well, these last two years have been very insightful. Obviously, my background, my knowledge, my information has been sought after. Um, you know, I will be, I've been on the board for Social Enterprise Greenhouse since February of 2020. Um, I will be the chair of our loan committee for SCG starting next month. So that's something that's occurring. I've um, been on, you know, I'm on the board for Providence Revolving Fund. I'm on their loan committee. We just formed a marketing and outreach committee that I've been asked to sit on. So again, everything kind of ties into economic justice. But, you know, I also became, you know, joined the board for Economic Progress Institute. Uh, I am the uh, chair of the Equal Pay Task Force for the City of Providence. Um, 
I want to say I also am on the vestry for Church of the Redeemer. I've been kind of co-leading the racial reconciliation work within Redeemer. Um, you know, we had some very big plans that had to be adjusted because of the pandemic, but our congregation is ready to move forward, uh, just not within our church beyond, with really tackling these very hard issues of racism in Providence and throughout Rhode Island. Um, but yeah, I would say it's like, you know, check that LinkedIn page. Uh, <laughs> I, there's so many things. I'm also with um, Credit Builders Alliance. That's a national organization that's focused on, you know, using credit as a means of supporting families out of poverty. So I held the practitioner sheet, seat. So, you know, as Compass representative on that board. Um, yeah, there's been a lot that I have been doing these last couple of years um, that I've been moving forward into 2022, which is continuing and expanding. That's incredible. That's there's so much happening. It feels like obviously I know we're still in the midst of a pandemic and I know there's still, you know, issues in that realm. But I'm really hoping that with 2022, I mean, getting to talk to all of our Who to Watch honorees, like just hearing all of these things gives me so much hope that this next year is really going to be a good year. Obviously, there's going to be obstacles. Obviously, there's going to be hardships. But with people like you at the helm, I mean, I really feel like there's like so many incredible things that are going to happen. Um, and from the beginning, we already knew that you were doing a lot and you had a lot of hats. And just hearing everything that is going on for 2022, your calendars must be full. <laughs> I've already, that calendar has already been planned for uh, stuff going through June and July. It's already, stuff has already been organized. I was even speaking to one of my coworkers. We were talking about, I said, you got to get into a workflow. But I was like, oh yeah, that calendar, I was like, I had that plan last month going into <laughs> March with dates and stuff that I need to put in there, put a hold here and reserve that time, put in my vacation time. I'm going to take this day off. I'm going to take that day off. It's already um, been done. I'm like, ooh, I need to make sure I use those wellness days, put those wellness days in. That's already planned out and done. So it's a, uh, it's very strategic uh, how I kind of apply these things to my life. And I'm kind of always forward thinking like, what's the next thing? I, I honestly, I really don't like to be bored. You know, the, the aspect of just sitting home and sitting there like, I know I got to do something. I have to be active. Um, I have to keep my mind going. And so within that, there is like, I'm reading, there's a whole host of books I need to read. There is the exercise. There's just there's stuff that needs to get done. But I have to do it within a way in which it works for me. Um, if if I'm not whole and healthy and and together, I can't help you. So I need to make sure I can help myself first before then I can support, you know, others. And it's just that method that, yes, it, it is a lot. It does sound, it, it looks like on paper, um, but it's one thing that I can handle. It is within reason. It is within balance. And, you know, when anyone approaches me about, well, you want to be involved and do this? I'm like, what is it? I ask questions. What is this? It, all right. Yes, that sounds good. Put me on the list. Oh, uh, well, nope, that don't, that, nah, that, that, that don't that's not in line with me, you know, let's see if we can find something else. So, yeah, I mean, even right now, I'm like, oh, there's the Grow Smart uh, ratio that they're doing transit equity session. They asked me to be one of the speakers. So a lot of things that have been happening is I've also been facilitating and speaking. So I have, um, you know, some facilitation certification. I've been obviously with SBNA 
you know, facilitating conversations. So I've been asked more to kind of more facilitate discussions again, where others can have their voices heard. So it's really no not me so much talking as much as making sure, you know, supporting them and having this space for them to talk, but then obviously sharing that perspective in other settings, particularly those who this is new to them. Um, you know, what have we learned? What have been some tips that I've had, you know, uh, you know, applied? Um, how can they, you know, best navigate through these challenges of achieving equity and inclusion uh, when it comes to race and other aspects of oppression? Well, I give you a lot of kudos. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. It sounds like you, uh, you've you got a, a full plate, but it sounds like you're uh, you know doing a lot of different things and a lot of interesting things and a lot of things that you're passionate about. Uh, and you know, you're know you obviously good at managing uh, your, your work schedule, which is a good thing. Um, so I, I mean, I think we all just look forward to uh, seeing what's to come in 2022 and seeing this all come to fruition. Uh, and I'm just really excited that we got to sit down and chat with you today. Yeah, it's, this is like, you know, everyone that we've gotten to talk to has been, like I said before, like, it's, it's just nice to kind of, the article is the surface and getting below that and getting to like, feel your passion and like your motivation has just been really, really awesome. And I, I just, I'm so grateful for that. Where, if someone wants to keep up with all of the many things that you have going on for the new year and in the present time. What's the best way to, to follow up with you or to, to, to keep to keep up with Dwayne? Twitter, social media, stuff like that. Yeah, so there is, you know, I rejoined Twitter a couple of months ago. I don't really use it, but it's one way to find out what I'm doing. So D Keys RI. Um, they're obviously the the you know the LinkedIn page, Dwayne Keys. There's a lot of the credentials, what's going on, what I'm involved in. I would say, I kind of always say check that out because you, you really should check that out before you want to really engage that gives you insight as to who I am, what formed my perspective, why, why do I say and do the things that I do? Um, and then obviously there's Facebook as well. So my Facebook page has been one where I really do share my perspective on a lot of things uh, where I am as Dwayne Keys, D Keys, I, I say I said what I said on that personal page. And then obviously there's just been, you know, other areas that people can see. But then there's also the Neighborhood Association. We have a Facebook group, we have a Facebook page that people can follow what's happening, what's one of those topics, what are those issues that we've been addressing, following up, um, so they can look at those particular areas to get access to. So I guess DNA and then there's D keys, you can pick and choose, or you can look at both. <laughs> Everyone look at both because this guy is, there's so, so much good coming out of you, so much good energy, so much positive thing, just positive things happening. Um, you are really doing such a great job in all of the different lanes that you're in. It was interesting. Um, one of the other awardees uh, was talking to me. We were like, yes, congratulations to you, congratulations to you. And that person said to me, he said, yeah, he's like, it's a long overdue, long time coming. And I said, well, you have to remember, my focus has been more on the areas, the folks who we haven't paid attention to. So, you know, I think hopefully one, you know, instances is, you know, not so much focus on me. I got plenty of attention. There's many of our other neighbors 
who their stories need to be heard. It's stuff that needs to be told. There's issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, I'm just here, you know, I'm looking at there's a text message. There's someone, you know, who needs food. So there's food insecurity. Like there's so many things. So my hope is that, yes, the listeners hear that it's motivating them, but it's motivating them to say who else in these areas, whether it's South Side, West End, other cities and towns in Rhode Island who we don't normally hear from, who we know are being oppressed, excluded. How do I make sure their voices are uplifted and we support what they do? Um, so um, that's really one takeaway I hope that people get from this. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I, I do think after listening to this, people will, I mean, I don't want to say like it's a call to action, but like hearing someone in the middle of it going through it being, you know, a focal point, I think is a way to get attention to things and is a way for people to say like, I need to step up, I need to do do my part. And it shouldn't have to take someone like yourself being that, you know, standing up and doing that. But in the society and the culture we live in, you see one person doing it, you're like, I can help too. I can do that too. They're doing it. I can do it. So I hope like you said, I hope people, and I do think that people will hear this and, and want to make some changes in, in the communities that they might not have tried to make changes in before. Um, so thank you for doing that and for shedding a light on that. Um, and I'm just excited for you. Myself as well. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Um, and I'm just really happy we had you on. So uh, thanks yeah. again. Thank you, Dwayne. You are so great. Can't wait to see what happens in 2022. And thank you so much. And thanks for listening, everybody.